Hello and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, a Neo Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today as always are Lauren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 4, Episode 17, which is titled A Bloody Mess. The episode aired on April 9th, 1998, a one-month break, one break from our last episode. Um, Lauren, what was going on that way 23 years ago? Little-known rapper Eminem signs with Dr. Dre's Aftermath Entertainment record label. Get ready for 1999 to be the year of Eminem, folks. <laughs> Fourth grade. I'm sure, that taught you all sorts of good values. It sure did. A <laughs> lot of kids, a lot of kids singing along with that, not knowing what any of it meant. It was oh, great. Oh dear. Um, Titanic cleans up at the 70th Annual Academy Awards, taking home the Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Song, Best Original Dramatic Score, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing. Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, and Best Visual Effects. Um, is best a real word anymore? No. <laughs> is it? Do, do we know? Is that like, is that a record for the most amount of categories? I didn't look into it. I was just looking at the categories and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. That's, yeah, that's insane. Apparently I need to rewatch As Good As It Gets, though. Yes. Because uh, Helen Hunt and uh, Jack Nicholson both mm -hmm. won for Best... I lead actor and actress. And I really liked as good as it gets. I was going to say that was a movie that like I had no business watching enjoying. as much as I did and enjoying it as much as I did to be as young as I was when it came out. Cause I'm going to ask, that's the one where he's dating her daughter and then he has the heart attack, right? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. My bad. Uh, let's scrub that. Cause there's <laughs> no Helen Hunt. Sorry. I was thinking of the, um, our listeners are going to know the movie I'm thinking of, and they're all going to judge me that I mix those up. With Diane as, Keaton? Yes. As Good As yeah. It Gets was the one with Greg Kinnear and yeah. the dog. Uh, I know the one you're thinking of, though, and I can't... Um, God damn it. Yeah. It's going to bug us all now. It is. It's going to bug us the whole time, and it's going to come to me like halfway through the episode. But no, yeah. Uh, as Good As It Gets is with Greg Kinnear and Cuba Gooding Jr., um, couple other, uh, a couple other people are in it, too. But it's just, it's really good. The one that I just uh, mixed it up with because it's another three-word Jack Nicholson movie is Something's Gotta Give. Something's Gotta Give, yeah. Definitely a very different movie. So, yes, I do need to rewatch as Because it as has it Diane Keaton Topless in it. So. It sure does. And she's great. And I love her. Yeah. That was really awkward going with my mom to see that movie. <laughs> I mean, there's several reasons why that movie would be really awkward to see with a parent. Yeah. But because inside I am a 65-year-old woman, I very much enjoyed that movie at all ages. Anyway, hard pivot into the next headline. Hard pivot in the next pip into the next headline, which is also very much a Lauren headline. At WrestleMania 14, Stone Cold Steve Austin wins his first ever WWF championship after defeating Shawn Michaels. Notably, after the match, Shawn Michaels, one of the biggest WWF superstars in the 90s, began a four-year hiatus from in-ring action after the match due to a back injury sustained two months earlier. Yeah, it turns out a casket match with The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a rough deal. Yep. They ruptured, I think, two discs in his back. Uh, didn't Wasn't aware that he had done it until several days later. Like, felt fine during the match and then woke up a couple days later and, like, couldn't get out of bed, had to crawl to the bathroom. Oh. Yeah. But this is, this is considered the birth of the Attitude Era, which is kind of our, like, collective as that age group. Like, that was our, like, prime years of... That's the stuff that we can't let go of now. <laughs> like, that um, the majority of uh, wrestling fans now can't let go of. Um, unless you're me and discovered it in 2020 because of the pandemic and they're just retroactively enjoying it for what it is. Well, we're enjoying you enjoying it. 
That's what matters, Daniel. Um, and then movie releases over the last month include The Big Lebowski, The Man in the Iron Mask, and Wild Things, but none of them were able to knock Titanic off its pedestal. I wish we had come up with another good boat pun. You know what finally did, though? Lost in Space, a movie inspired by the 1960s TV series <laughs> of the same name and starring William Hurt, Matt LeBlanc, Mimi Rogers, Gary Oldman, and Heather Graham, ending Titanic's 15-week run at number one. Probably one, probably one of the worst movies of 1998. It's, it's that's a movie that's so bad it's good. Yeah, yeah. of of all time, screw uh, 1998. Like this is a, t- I saw this movie in theaters. It's horrible. Like, I own it on Blu-ray. Thank you very much. Yep. Oof. So you're it's, the one. It's so dumb. It's. It's so dumb when it tries to take itself seriously. It's so fucking. This bad. was also it. the I movie. This was the movie that was supposed to make Matt LeBlanc a like bankable A list like action hero. Like this was the because this is prime time years for Friends, and so it's about yeah. the time where like those the like uh, next year uh, Jennifer Aniston's going to do Office Space, and then she's eventually going to go off and be you know the rom com queen for the next three or four years. Like this was his big opportunity to go like full A list movie star, and it does not work. <laughs> like it tanks super hard, but uh, at least they had one good week. Just never go full meathead in a sci-fi movie. Just yeah. <sighs> and all my life by KC and JoJo is the number one song. I want someone to tell me what their relationship is with this song because even after listening to it, I could not identify a sing. And I know that I'm a white kid who grew up in suburbia and and am as as least as far removed from this song as a, a human being could possibly be. But even after listening to it, I have zero memory of this. Like, you maybe- know what you you know what you do have a memory of. I'm, I guarantee you do. The previous number one song that was with that was contained within this month, the seminal classic getting jiggy with it oh was that what, that how, was we, we oh in the month we that. missed oh i see what you're yeah, saying in the yeah, month yeah, we yeah. missed getting jiggy with it damn. yeah damn 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 yeah well sorry friends well well that bums me out but uh as for what else was on as lizzie was saying we took a nearly one month break of real time since last episode owing partly to i'm what i'm assuming is the first half of that month was taken up by uh, NCAA March Madness tournament over on CBS. I'm imagining they're probably getting out of the way of that. Um, and then the only for the second half of the month, it's less clear what they're getting out of the way of. The only thing I could think of that maybe they could be trying to avoid is the World Figure Skating Championships on ABC. I remember figure skating was a much bigger thing in the 90s than it is now. So maybe that was the case. Not sure. But uh, in any event, they did take a, a month off since last episode. For this evening, though, on the evening of the 9th, at 8 p.m., friends with the episode uh, The One with All the Haste. At 8.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Jack's Old Partner. At 9 p.m., Seinfeld with the episode The Bookstore. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet with Veronica's Man in a Suitcase. This week's episode. Is that a, is that a sex doll thing? I don't. It's Veronica's Closet. You know, like, <laughs> who can tell? I don't know. Who's to say what actually happened on any given episode of Veronica's Closet? But it always had you intrigued. Like, it's always yeah. like, mm, I want to know more. This woman leads an enchanted life. Yeah, I want to know more. Uh, this week's episode had 30.9 million viewers tuning in, which I believe is up just a little bit from last week. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his ninth out of 31 episodes. Previous ones of his from this season we've done were Obstruction of Justice and When the Bow Breaks. And this week's episode is written by Linda Gase, doing her second out of 25. Previous one of hers from this season is Do You See What I See? 
and previously on is brought to us by Anthony Edwards and now because we've done enough interviews where he's referred to as Tony I keep wanting to say Tony Edwards <laughs> just for the fun of it um, we will stick to his build as name but Tony Edwards um, Jeannie and Scott are walking out like on the Chicago streets and Scott asking where they're going and Jeannie just says oh it's a surprise don't worry about it and she is taking him to a climbing gym also when this episode goes up, I will be posting selfies of that very corner because I was there this morning. I was going to so, ask you about that when I watched. I said it, lo- it looked like a location shot. So it um, it is very near to my workplace. Nice. Yep. So I I was ve- I immediately knew what corner they were at when when I saw the signage and everything. I was like, that's on my way. <laughs> so I have I have some dumb selfies that I will share with the group. Um, and then Mark and Doug are in the cafeteria. And they find a seat by Benton and Carter, who is, you know, sleeping on his hands while Benton is feeding Reese. And what a sweet little noodle Reese is as he dumps his food all over Benton's head. Or does he? Because we get a random white hand dropping the oatmeal on Benton's head uh, from off camera. So uh, could have been Doug, maybe. <laughs> like, it's not clearly it's not like clearly based on the way Clooney's sitting. It's definitely not Clooney, but it. It was just a little bit of sloppy work by whoever right. was doing the thing. Their their hand is totally in front of the camera, and it does not look like a small black child's hand. Let's just put it that way. It could it could have been it could have been Carter. He was feigning sleep until the opportunity arose. Then he just dumps it. It could be. Um, but then Benton says, "Oh, that's our fifteen minutes of quality time. Time to get you back to daycare," which is really sweet. And Carter is sleeping through his pager going off until Mark's like, "Hey, dude, your pager." And he, he's like, oh, crap, it's the ER. So he goes and heads out. And um, Mark and Doug say they have to delay their chat until later because Mark and Doug both get paged downstairs as well. And Mark says to ask Carol if they can catch up at the bar later. And Doug says, I don't have to ask her permission. <laughs> Which is a cute running gag throughout this episode. And uh, we get our first trauma, quote unquote, if you want to. <laughs> Air quotes, first trauma. Patience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corday immediately seeing all this blood coming was like, oh my god, these people are really injured. Let's get the the hemo aid, the blood substitute, the true blood shit that uh, she's researching, <laughs> um, and carry us to explain what she's and carry us to explain what she's asking for as they're running to get the patient into the ER. All three of these women come in looking real bad. And Lauren, whose films are those? And apparently the accident happened at Jackson and Loomis, uh, and Witcher? Yeah, something like that, Witcher. Yeah. She, uh, she declines the she declines the hemoid because it's been tested on animals and two other girls also come in covered in blood, but it turns out it's bucket buckets of cow's blood. They were at a protest or they were driving to one so they had it in yeah. the car and Yeah. But they're not really hurt. Maybe a little banged up, but Yeah. They're fine. Totally fine totally fine this is a little silly but i kind of like it like i kind of like mm-hmm. it as a misdirect although the the only thing i would say is that they really play up the blood like these mm-hmm. girls are covered in blood like they look like they have been what's the word like exsanguinated like when they, yes when they yes. cut all the blood like it's it's a bleak looking visual but once you find out the twist and everything it's actually i, I think it's i think it's a cute kind of creative way to subvert the formula just a little bit so i kind of i dig that but that takes us into the intro with some more bangs and as we come out of the intro we have uh carol and doug having a chat 
he uh, has forgotten that they had plans for a date tonight thought it was tomorrow and uh she's but she says don't worry about it go hang with mark uh and uh tell him your decision Ooh, cryptic Hmm. Uh, Carrie then walks up as Carol leaves and uh, turns out Doug has still not turned in his fellowship renewal papers which were due two days ago and Doug furthering the cryptic nature of his uh, arc this episode says well uh, maybe I don't want it to continue as he's walking away Hmm. but hey guess who's back folks is it Morgan Stern shit you spoiled the surprise (laughs) but guess but you know what's even more surprising I won't say it he has brownies not the special kind unfortunately but everyone's very excited to see him so let's listen to their conversations hail comrades david <laughs> we weren't expecting you back until next month well i missed you too damn much mm-hmm. look at this way it looks just exactly the way i remember it well actually we have made a few improvements yeah i saw you eye in those help yourself jerry i made those with my very own two hands mm. it is jerry isn't it yeah yeah good hey david we have been gone for a while 197 days give me a hug <laughs> you're looking trim there mark thanks you look pretty good yourself you know it, it it sounds hackneyed, but that myocardial infarction was the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, you know, I had intended to prepare a summary report to bring you up to speed. No, 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 Carrie, we'll talk shop later. I'm here to spend some time in the trenches to get back in touch with the people that make this place tick. Mark, what you got? 32-year-old female, high fever for five days. You know, one of the things I learned from my brush with mortality is that every patient has a story. Let's go learn hers, shall we? I've missed him so much. I know. I, and also those brownies look so good. I know, right? Yeah, they, especially, you know, they're handmade. Ugh. Lizzie, what? as a housewarming thing, the weekend that we're settled in, so not those first few days, but the weekend. You want me to bake brownies? Can we make brownies Absolutely. in the new oven? Because you know why? Because we're going to have a motherfucking dishwasher. And a new oven. Yes. Got to break in, break in the new oven. Yeah. Yeah, we're moving. Uh, <laughs> so... so. But so yeah, sorry. there's so much to unpack here, just aside from those brownies. Um, I love the Hail Comrades is his opening line. <laughs> yeah, it's... apparently all it takes is a heart attack to turn you into a socialist. Yeah. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for Comrade Morgenstern. <laughs> just all of it. You're, you're looking trim. And he forgets Jerry's name. I just, I want whatever bear hug he gives to Mark. It Like, that audio just sounds like it's such a good hug. <laughs> so I was uh, curious just because he says I, I forget the exact number I'd have to go back and listen like to the clip 159 days says, or something it's something like, like 108 it's between 180 and 190 somewhere in there and I was curious when was the last time we had seen Morgan Stern and it was the second episode of the season something new so the one right after the live episode because remember in the live episode is when he has his heart attack so it's ah, the one yes. after that which the air date on something new was October 2nd 1997 the air date on this is April 9th uh, which on the 2021-2022 calendar, I, I didn't specify it by year of 97-98, but between October 2nd of 2021 and April 9th of, April of 2022, there's 189 days. So it's pretty huh. it's pretty darn close to what he says. I bet you if you went and looked That's... at the thing, like it's prob- I bet that was like an actual joke that like he's Good been catch. gone since uh, something new back in October. So Good catch. But yeah. I was actually I was having a conversation with um, one of our listeners uh, on Instagram the other day, and um, we were talking about this because this is the this, the whole big thing with Morgan Stern. This episode is that we're starting his 
eventual exit like he's going to be gone in just a few episodes and how uh, he and i were talking about how um uh, william h macy's character morgan stern kind of gets cut off because william h macy becomes a much bigger star during this period and starts doing more things outside of television and how um like it's nice that they went to the trouble of bringing him back and actually giving him an, a proper exit rather than just doing him dirty like they did dr hicks and just having you know having her stuff somebody into an elevator and then disappear forever um that he kind of almost has this sort of like um cast member emeritus status where like he was never part of the like main group he was never one of the like central six but he does feel like he has a certain level of importance to the cast and a certain level of importance to the show that warrants a a multi-episode arc like this to kind of close him out so I think it's nice that they went to the trouble of doing this. Well, yeah, we got the name of our show from him. Exactly. So, yeah. like, of course he needs to come back. Yeah, without Morgenstern, we wouldn't have this show. There's so there's so much meta to that. I just I My know. brain just exploded <laughs> a little. Hold on. But it's okay, because he needs to go on and save the good citizens of, I forget the name of the city of Mystery Men, but as, you know, he has to go. Oh, capital City, I think. Capital, whatever. God, <laughs> he has to go be the shoveler. We really need I to I love that, that movie so much. I'm going to watch Lost in Space after we're done here. I don't know what y'all are talking okay. about. I'm putting on Mystery Men tomorrow. You don't have to watch it with me, but I am putting okay. it on because we keep saying we're going to watch it and then we don't. I will finish season 17 in Grey's tomorrow. We all have goals here. Um, but then from there, we have Benton is showering and out loud just going over his surgery techniques for the surgery he's prepping for a little bit later in the day. And Lizzie is around the corner. Like, we have a shot of her in the forefront of um, the shower stall, like, with the um, kind of pain in front of it. And then behind, it's kind of at an angle so we can see Peter in the shower. And she's she's just chilling around the corner and making sure not to peek as they talk about what their plans are for the evening because they're going to have a little study date. Not really a date, but just study time to review a procedure they're going to be working on. And she jokingly withholds his towel while they talk. And I love this line read from Eric LaSalle where he goes, look, I know you've been wanting to see me naked for a while, but this is not the way. <laughs> because it's, start- it's showing that he's starting to loosen up around her. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell he's still Peter. He's still got his guard up. It's just who he is. And that's very much something we discuss in this episode. But in this moment, it's just like he's, he's kind of flirting back. And it's just like, it's just the door's cracked a little bit. And it's it's just very cute. See, I'm really cynical. And I all I could think of with, during this scene was how creepy this would be if the genders were reversed. It is. But Lizzie, yeah. you're cynical unless it's Mark and Susan. We <laughs> and, all, we and all, Mark and Mark and Lizzie. We all, we all have our times to be cynical on this show. <laughs> yeah. You're, no, you're looking at it with a 2021 eye. Fair That's enough. all. Fair enough. Maybe a double standard. I I don't know. Double standard. But, uh, is a good word. but uh, we go back down to the ER. Man comes in with his pregnant wife who passed out. She's eighteen weeks along. She's having, apparently having a really really rough time of pregnancy, and Anna's working on her. Uh, the woman is extremely dehydrated. Uh, Malik can't even find a vein, which is rough times. And our parents here. Dad is played by actor Troy Ruptash. Ruptash. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, but he appears in stuff like the TV series Young Pope, Marin, and on Mad Men as the actual Lieutenant Donald Draper. So the guy that uh, John Hamm's character steals his identity from in Vietnam. Uh, I didn't catch it at all. Uh, Korean War. Yeah, Korea. or, Korean War. Right. You're right. You're right. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the military man that dies and then 
Donald Draper, the one that we know, is born. So I thought that was cool. Uh, and then Mom is played by Kimberly Russell, who appears in the movie Precious, The Game, and then had a long-running role on the TV series Head of the Class. We go from there out to uh, the indoor climbing uh, place where Scott and Jeannie are working on their climbing. Jeannie's uh, rocking some prime abs. They're like yep. Gloria Rubin showing off the six-pack mm-hmm. uh, as she's working here. Uh, she's the one climbing, and then Scott is uh, down below. Uh they switch out scott goes to go next and is immediately struggling with it and immediately asks to come down like we get an immediate escalation with his mm-hmm. his storyline here which is a, a bummer every time it seems like this kid's starting to turn the corner something else bad happens to him uh but we go from there we will we'll will circle back to scott and genie a little bit later but we go from there back to the er where corday comes down with the hemo aid protocols for the er and asks jerry to distribute them and uh, she has Mark listed as the faculty advisor on her project, not Romano, which will only come back to bite her on this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But Lizzie gets some more Mark and Lizzie this episode. I do. There you go. It it just really throw it's really con- it confused me a lot when you say when you call Corday. <laughs> Lizzie. Do, you, do you need me to start calling her Corday? No, it's most of the time. It's most of the time it's fine, but then when you say us sentences both in a like sentence, that, yeah. yeah, just really, I'm like, my brain. Well, just, she is where you get your name from. Yeah, my brain just kind of takes an extra second and a half to process. It took process me. It that. took me a minute while I was saying it too, if it makes you feel any better. But then Karen, the pregnant woman that was brought in, she has been on a saltine cracker diet as prescribed by her OB for the nausea. So no wonder she wasn't feeling great as far as dehydration and everything. But we find out that she's kind of willing to try anything because she's already lost three prior pregnancies. And um, she starts to pass out again. And they do the um, the move. I can't, thank you. I could not remember the the technique that they use. But they do that and they get her to, you know, come back to and come around. And so she's doing okay. But there's a lot of um, complication with this just emotionally for her and the husband. And just how everything is is going um and i should mention that anna is kind of the lead on this case because that will come into play a little bit later mm-hmm. um, and then we go back to Jeannie and scott and Jeannie brought scott into the hospital for a quick look and exam and anspa is greeting them and you know she talks about how they were at the climbing gym and anspa's like oh are you gonna do me this summer and it's it's a very cute dad and son moment between the two of them which i really appreciated but I just th- I just thought of this. Is it isn't it weird that they would bring him into the ER to do this workup and not necessarily to like his own doctor or oncologist, like primary care physician? It's probably the ER docs that he knows. Anspawn knows and trusts them and can see I, him right away. I guess. Yeah, I, I can see both sides of it. I mean, with Anspaugh being kind of a big mucky muck at that hospital, I could see it being like a. Break, just bring him straight to me and I'll take care of everything from their type of situation. But yeah, who knows? Also, is this where we get gratuitous, gratuitous Jeannie Belay nipples? That yeah. was in the climbing gym. Okay, that was in the climbing gym. That, yeah, that was when she was showing I off wouldn't the say, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was gratuitous. I would say it's very much soft 90s bra. Yes. Nipples. Fine, excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. Anyway, let's go back up to the surgical floor with Benton and Romano. Uh, they are in surgery, and they're using uh, hemoid on this one, and Romano's bragging that he uses it way more than the, another competing hospital, and everything's going along just great. You know, Benton's ans- answering Romano's questions, 
doing all of his resident stuff. And uh, hi, Shirley. Haven't seen you in a while. Yay. She comes uh, comes in and says the daycare is called for Benton and he's step out. Shirley, who will uh, be in the hot seat for the interview uh, segment uh, next month if you're on Patreon. Really? Uh, as, you're, as they're hearing this, yeah, because this will come out first week right. of July. And if you're on Patreon, she'll be in the August slot. So I guess, yeah, that does track. Okay. Time's flying. Really, really good interview. Like, I really enjoyed talking to Dinah Linney, the actress who plays Shirley. She has a really fascinating perspective on her time on the show, and I'm very excited for everybody to hear that one. So, uh, But we go back from there down to uh, back to the trauma rooms where we have our next trauma, a store owner, 70 years old, shot with a firearm. Corday is in on this one, thinks that he would be a great candidate for hemo-aid. And uh, Morgan Stern and Carrie are the ones running the trauma. Uh, he has a tremor. Uh, this is uh, Morgan Stern who mm-hmm. starts developing a tremor and can't get the uh, syringe in to do the perio- pericardiocentesis into the chest. Uh, panics and then leaves the trauma for uh, Elizabeth to do the procedure. And With something in his eye. Yeah, he claims he has something in his eye. To but you, you can clearly t- and I think even it's implied that even Weaver's kind of picked up on the fact that he's a little bit mm-hmm. spooked. So I did a little bit of research after I was questioning last episode or two episodes ago, whenever the hemo aid thing first popped up of like how true to life this was. Um, so the, the hemo aid aspect of it, I d- in the sense that like there has never been a official medical product called hemo aid. Right. Um, but blood substitutes are very much a real thing and very much something that is like heavily pursued in the medical community because there's always blood shortages, you know? Yeah. And it was particular, it was pursued really heavily, um, uh, around the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, during the, uh, mad cow disease outbreak, there were like big, big pushes to try to get blood substitutes, um, hammered out. And they've st- they've they've done it to like varying degrees of success. It's not like it's not perfect. That if it's a situation where they just need blood volume, right? They can do it. But if it's something that needs to like uh, have the hemoglobins and stuff in it, and the same oxygenation, right? Properties. It's not. It's the the science isn't hasn't caught up yet. But I read all sorts of fascinating stuff of early attempts. And when I say early attempts, we're talking like eighteen hundreds, like yeah. really early attempts at blood substitutes. Uh, Early attempts at blood substitutes included beer, urine, (laughs) milk, and non-human animal blood. Early suggested alternatives that they never actually got around to using included wine and opium. So they were basically operating under the assumption of with wine, if it just looks like blood, then obviously it's it's the same. It's good enough. Um, I want to give a quick podcast recommendation for anybody who likes medical history and comedy and the kind of like weird shit that we talk about, but like really goes into it um listen to sawbones it's hmm. really good i even got lizzie to listen to it for a while until her podcast log got too backed up but there's some really neat um medical history stuff in there and it's done by a doctor and her husband who is a layman and she's explaining medical history to him and it's it's very well done and they've they've done a lot of covid stuff over the past year which has been very informative and great but i'm very excited for them to get back to the more obscure stuff yeah hmm. so daniel you, why you I might like that one to him because it was just like COVID, that's, COVID, COVID, COVID. That's Jesus why I had Christ. to take a break too. But now I'm going back and listening to the backlog of it now that we're a little yeah. more. But yeah, check it out. Hmm. Sawbones. Interesting. Yep. Well, we go from there. Uh, Romano comes down to the ER for a rule out appy. And as he's investigating that, uh, he runs across Chuni in the hallway, taking the hemo aid down to Lizzie. 
and uh, redirects himself, bursts into the trauma to confront her about it because he didn't authorize it, and it's very awkward. Uh-oh. Uh, well, Karen's feeling better, at least, with, fluids, with fluids in her system. Uh, it turns Her kidneys aren't really functioning properly, though, and the anti-nausea meds will put uh, her baby at risk, but, you know, so would being in shitty health from puking all the time and getting no nutrients or hydration, so, you know. Yeah, because they also mentioned that her... Um her potassium's really low and it could risk some big cardiovascular oopsies for her and so you know she asks anna like what would you do and anna said i'd risk the meds so then we find out doug is canceling on his mandate with mark tonight (laughs) so he's canceled on carol and he's canceled on mark the fuck doug where are you going what you doing um and romano introduces lizzie to the son of the 70 year old who was shot and lizzie originally signed him up for the hemoaid experiment thinking that he did not have any next of kin to consent Mm -hmm. or rather deny consent so romano mentions that it was an experimental blood treatment that he got and the son is not happy and he does this because he knows she's going to get in deep shit with Mm -hmm. the son for the experimental treatment (sighs) yeah that's a real dick move by romano because he's Mm -hmm. not he's not doing it out of any like benevolent concern for the patient's well-being or anything like that or informed consent because if the shoe was on the other foot i guarantee you romano would have done the exact same thing like yeah fuck it put him in do the study like he wouldn't have been like "Mm, we better find out get consent from the sun like he he's just doing this just to be a vindictive shithead but uh the sun here Lindsay Lindsay jang played by actor ming lo who appeared in movies like jarhead and pursuit of happiness as well as doing video game voice acting in spider-man 2018 and the game that nearly tore our friend group apart ghost of tsushima (laughs) yeah i'm looking i want to see i'm trying to see who he oh he did additional additional voices yeah so it seemed like he could have been a, a little bit of anybody like the villagers just needing that background voicing and stuff okay because i was like who was he but um yep and then we have doug is in to check on scott and he asks to talk to Jeannie outside in which scott insists on being told as well he's like i can handle it you know i've heard it all before tell say tell it in here and we find out he's got a low blood cell count low white blood cells especially and some other big issues and doug mentions a potential need for a bone biopsy and Jeannie needs to set up exam four for isolation because his immune system is going to be crap if his white blood cell count is so low and doug follows up with maybe we should talk about the rest outside this poor kid and Jeannie's Jeannie's face like she's immediately grasping for anything else that it could be here like she's like it could be um she's like it could be a flu he could just have the fever Mm -hmm. he could be coming off chemo like she's immediately trying to think of all these medical reasons why it's not what we all know and wish it wasn't and then carrie tells mark that it sounds like doug isn't coming back next year which Doug hasn't told Mark yet. Mark's like, what are you talking about? She's like, he hasn't filled out his fellowship paperwork. Uh, uh, not great, fam. Yeah. Um, we go over to Carol's clinic. A uh, girl is getting... It, did they specifically say Depo-Provera? No, they say... I put in quote, quotations. They say progesterone injections, but it's likely Depo-Provera because she says the three-month schedule. Ah, uh, okay. So... And is that what de- primarily Depo-Provera is? It's, it's the most well well-known and widely distributed of that method nurse fr- nurse listeners correct me if i'm wrong i've just been taking it for like 10 years now yeah. so but yeah not telling her dad what she's getting uh 
Carol is asking if, you know, her and her partner are using condoms too. And she's like, oh, sometimes my boyfriend forgets. And Carol does like, rightfully says, you know, it's your responsibility too. And I want to note, this is a young girl. Yeah. Like a teenager. Younger, yeah, teenager. And I also want to note, it's (laughs) that she's not telling what we assume is her dad (laughs) what's going on. We don't learn that right now, but what we assume is her dad is not getting the information about that. Uh, <laughs> our, our young girl here, Natalie, is the girl's name. She's played by actress Morgan Nagler, who appeared in stuff like Domino, American Pie 2, and one of the greatest disappointments of my life, a movie that just turned 20 years old recently, uh, David <laughs> Duchovny's Evolution, a movie I could uh, not have been more excited to see when I was 12 years old and could not have been more disappointed by it. I need to listen to thirty twenty ten. It sucks. Was, was that or that was last? Yeah, it week. was last week's, uh, and they were pretty, pretty, uh, un, yeah, un, were... pretty relentless about it. Which as as with, they should be. It was bad. It's a very bad movie. With, with friend of the show Diana Goodman. That's right, of course. Yes. So then we go from there. Uh, we see Anna and Carter catching up. He mentions that he's been dealing with some uh, insomnia. Uh, but we don't get to dig too much into that as uh, we're quickly cut off by Karen's husband who confronts Anna about the medication suggestion because of her last name, thinking that she is Catholic. And so she put the baby first. This is a very strange kind of out of yeah. nowhere confrontation that I was like, I was like, I was doing like the whip, Mr. Krabs whiplash thing with this. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did we get here? Uh, I like, I mean, I get that I'm not the most religious guy on planet earth, but I don't think that I would, pick out Delamico as like an immediately Catholic name or that I would draw these conclusions based on that. But yeah, interesting little wrinkle to add to the conflict here. Uh, Speaking of conflicts, uh, Mark's heard some rumors and goes to confront Doug on them in the lounge. Hey, what's this I hear about you not coming back next year? (laughs) Leave it to Weaver. So it's true? I've been trying to tell you I'm not renewing my fellowship because I'm applying for an attending position. Yeah. I can't be a fellow forever. I don't know. You're on your way to convincing me. The only problem is County General doesn't have a PEDS ER attending position. Maybe it should. A third of the cases that come in here, one-third of them are pediatric, but there's nobody overseeing it. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Pediatric attending would increase the care, right? So you're serious? Mm -hmm. Doc, we're ready for that biopsy. Yeah, okay. Back me up. Hey, Mark. Elizabeth. I hear you got your first hemoaid candidate. Yeah, and lost him again, no thanks to Dr. Romano. What do you do? It's not important. Mm. Okay, say, he's a jerk. <laughs> Actually, that was perfectly put. <laughs> Don't let him get to you, and if you need a backup, give me a holler. Thanks. It begins for Lizzie. <laughs> I had to sneak the little mark uh, marking. Make sure you get that in thing there. In there. But, but hey, let's keep ratcheting up uh, Doug's storyline here for the next, for the next pretty much now until i was gonna leaves. say for the rest of the so, time he's on the show like it's, it's yeah. crazy how far out they're doing this like there's a full season ahead of time pretty no, much because he leaves like, he leaves mid season five like about yeah, about this time yeah ne- I, I, well i guess i think it's a little earlier, yeah, i think it's I think. season five episode 15 i think is his last one so yeah. we're we're just on the other side of a little less than a season but yes this will become a huge flashpoint for him over the next season this whole episode pretty much could just be Clooney foreshadowing for his exit because there's so much that they pack into this episode of like and I guess this is a little bit of a misdirect more than it is foreshadowing because it doesn't immediately lead to him leaving but it eventually I don't know but uh we do get a funny little uh moment in there where he uh after he says uh oh I 
you know, I hear that you're not coming back next year. And Doug replies, uh, leave it to Weaver, uh, which will not next season, but I think the season after, uh, be a, uh, episode title. So we get a future episode title name drop here. Yeah. I think it's the season six. Premiere, season six. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. How do you guys remember this shit? <laughs> it's one I watch a lot. It's one of my favorites. I'm just over here. Like, yep, this is a show. I, just, I like I this I just show. remember Let's... it. I remember it because it's one of the few times they do like a, a punny episode title mm. name that actually applies to the story like leave it to weaver and it's a weaver centric episode unlike the one that pisses me off the most which is how the finch stole christmas which has nothing to do with cleo and they do it simply because it's a christmas pun and it pisses me off <laughs> hey it's next season's premiere is called day for night yeah and it's a lucy centric episode yeah. see like i'm i'm okay with that if you're gonna do a pun name at least center it around the person whose pun you're using Listeners, I'm sorry. I'm vastly underqualified to be on this show. <laughs> you, like we've always said, you give us the script for our show by writing our notes, and you bring Moxie. Okay. Uh, so then Benton and Elizabeth are riding together to drop Reese off to Carla. Benton's freaking out. Like his car's busted. He can't. He doesn't have time to take the L. So I think they're using Lizzie's car, yep. right? Yep. And so they have to get gas because Lizzie doesn't bother getting gas until she's like way past empty because her car's meter is wrong. And she's like, it's fine. I'll be all the way out in Garfield Park, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, we got to get it here. So that is where they're headed together. They're going on an adventure. <laughs> yes. But for now, uh, Carrie has to go check on Morgan's turn in the morgue. He doesn't die. I got to clarify that. But, but he is in the morgue right now. Are you looking for a student? Uh, no, I see him. Thank you. Bullseye. Carrie. It's not wise to sneak up on a man when he's got a needle in his hand. I wanted to check on your eye. Uh, much better, thank you. Saline did the trick. Um, after six months, I figured it couldn't hurt to brush up on my anatomy. Well, everyone can benefit from that on occasion. Have you ever think about patients when you work on them? You know, their, their hopes, their dreams. Honestly, no. I never did. But today in that trauma room, all I could think about was that old grocer's life and how he was relying on me. I don't know if you heard, but last month I suffered a, a grand mall seizure during a hazmat incident. Then you know. Know what? About perspective, about looking at the big picture i know that the big picture can be humbling maybe even destructive to one's focus and sense of confidence nonsense carrie weaver meet john DeLeo, welder father of five never retired despite crippling arthritis outlived three of his kids never left chicago you know all that about this cadaver no i made it up but if I did know, it wouldn't make me less focused. Make me a better doctor. Morgan Stern, baby. Right? What is what is with all of these part-time characters where it's like, yeah, we're going to make these people real fucking interesting right as they head out the door. Like, I know. We right? did it with Cynthia. We're doing it again with Morgan Stern. It's like, I haven't given a shit about this man other than the time he got, like, what was it, drunk or stoned in the ER and broke his leg? No, he was... 
He was drunk b- because he had been out at like some Scottish right, family yeah, he festival was, or something. He was in the Haggis Nebula and broke his leg. Uh, I'm <laughs> that's the last time I cared but about Morgan. I thought I thought you didn't know anything about Mass Effect, Daniel. <sighs> I'll be so glad when you've all done your time that with that pick- game, and I don't is, have to hear about is it. Is that where you pick up Liara? <laughs> Well, Daniel, I'll hopefully be almost done finishing it this weekend. YouTube.com slash the popular court for my Friday series of, of playing through those games. Daniel cannot be ready for all of us <laughs> to beat it soon enough because he doesn't give a shit about RPGs. And yet I'm just going to keep talking about it while I make those videos for the next like year. So just keep subtweeting. Sorry, me. Daniel. I'm, I'm, I've accepted my fate. So then Jeannie is soothing Scott through the bone biopsy as she helps him do like guided visualizations of climbing techniques. So she's holding his hands, like just facing him and sitting with him while Doug is doing the biopsy. And it is just one of the sweetest visuals ever. And this would have been a great one that I wish we could have asked Gloria Rubin about. Mm-hmm. Just this scene is so well done and like her caretaker role. Like this this was a match made in heaven, and I'm so glad they went this route with her story. And then back to the Lizzie and Benton adventure while they're out getting gas. Uh, Lizzie's giving him sass for being paranoid and drills him to see if he's still in love with Carla and if that's why he wants her to sit in the car when he drops Reese off or, like, what's going on. And then she's like, are you hung up about this? Because, like, there's clearly an attraction here between us, but are you hung up on this because I'm white? And this distracts him so much and he's so flustered by this question that he hits a little old lady as he's backing up. Ooh. Which leads us to one of the most ridiculous through <laughs> plots of this whole episode. It does, it does get a little bit wacky schmackety. It's a, it's a bit much. A little bit. Uh, Elizabeth uh, rides back with the the old lady in the ambulance while Benton drives back in her car with Reese. He brings uh, Reese into the ER to have them take a look, uh, and the whole time while they're doing this, he's like trying to mother hen this whole thing and trying to backseat drive, not letting them do their job. Uh, he eventually kind of gets shooed out of there and finds his way into the trauma where the they're working on the woman that he hit, which rightly so, I think Green is in on that one, and rightly so, Green is like, uh, you shouldn't be in here. Like, if you hit this lady with your car, like, you, you should not be involved in this. Uh, so he tries to kind of scurry him out of the room. Uh, Delamico is in on this as well, and for some reason, it's not it's not just once either. It's repeatedly. Uh, Benton keeps referring to her as Anna rather than Anna. And yeah. I'm so glad that when I put that in the notes, I could not think of how to word it to make it like stand out as a pronunciation mm-hmm. way. So I was like, are they going to know what I'm talking about? In these no, I, I, I had also I had also marked it on my notes. I was happy to see that you caught it as well, because it's so strange. Like it's it, it, I'm of course, those two characters haven't really interacted very much, if at all. So there hasn't been really much op- very right. much opportunity and- to hear him say her name. But it just still sounded strange. And it also works with kind of how Peter's more soft-spoken, like, for lack of a better term, accent is. Because he does have a bit of a, like, a it's dialect with yeah. some yeah, with some of how he says stuff. But it's just, like, it was just so jarring to hear it. Because I'm so used to that hard Michigan Anna. Yeah. That <laughs> like, Anna to me is A-N-A with one A. Or, or right. one N, rather. Uh, yeah. Like Anna Gaston. Yeah. So yeah. I was sort of, I was just taken aback by that. And I'm not sure what that's all about. And I'm sorry, everybody, for that really nasally Midwestern <laughs> ASMR. You all just got there. Uh, but as all this is going on, uh, Benton realizes that he is missing his uh, scheduled surgery due to all of this. So not a fun time for uh, old Petey. 
It's also not really uh, a fun time for Scott either, because uh, Carol's asking. I'm just gonna ignore your laughing. Carol's asking uh, Janie how Scott's doing, and Carol's in the clinic staff. Carol says the clinic staff are getting tested to see if they're a match for potential bone marrow transplant, and Jerry's making flyers to give to the other floors. Um, so he's gonna give the other floors all staff because those flyers are gonna be from his <laughs> filthy hands. Cool. Yeah, but uh, Janie gets visibly agitated and says to give him a chance, and says that it's premature to be looking. I like how, like the the their genie is behind Scott on like the grief spectrum. Like, right? She's still very much in this like denial bargaining phase where it could be other things, and like, no, this is not what it is. And meanwhile, we haven't heard from Scott really this whole time, like because Scott is at a much he's much further along on that spectrum and has sort of accepted his fate and accepted where he's at. And it's just interesting the way that they play those two off each other. And it's also kind of important to note that, like, bone marrow donation is actually really, really important, mm-hmm. you know, just as a general concept. And there's, I, I completely, can, I, sh- I thought I remembered to look this up, and I didn't. Uh, there's a website where it's like they send you. I think it's Be the Match. Yeah, Be the Match or something like that, where it's like a no- National Bone Marrow Donor Registry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very, very small chance that you'll ever be contacted to donate bone marrow, but, like, it's basically just to help help up the search results because bone marrow it's not like it's not like if someone's brain dead and has a kidney it's a lot harder to match bone marrow so yeah i think somebody not super recently but within the last couple of months somebody in our facebook group was talking about um how they had registered for that registry and had actually been matched with someone and they were they were getting set up to go donate mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember i awesome. can't remember who it was off the top of my head yeah. but. i think i signed up for the website forever ago and then i don't think i ever actually like got i don't think i ever actually completed my test yeah so i need to follow i, up I got that. registered through we had an event at one of my old jobs mm. years ago and i i did it through there it was a very simple process and i've just never gotten called or anything but i need to get my health back in order so i can go back to donating blood mm-hmm that's on my list to do more frequently, even though I'm a positive and it's not that rare of a blood type. I should probably know what my blood type is. <laughs> like I don't even know. I, I only know mine because it's like, of course it's a plus. Yeah. Uh, that, that does. Also, there you, you go. For for any like anime fans on our on our listenership, like when you make make the weird character cards, you have my blood type now, so it can be true authentic anime style. Did you not know that was a what? thing, yeah, Daniel? No, I you guys, you guys don't watch what? enough anime. It, uh, I would um, like it on the record. Zero anime. Any anime, <laughs> I want that on my grave. It's, I want that on my it's, tombstone. It's apparently a trope within anime, and Matt Matt is going to call me out on this because he's going to make Laura. I was going to say you are, you're anime. just having a conversation with Matt at this point. You realize that, right? It's, it's fine. just you and it's Matt fine. talking Matt's, through the mic. Matt's going to call me out on this, and I'm sorry to the rest of the rest of the listenership. But now I have to finish this train of thought, and Daniel can edit me out if he wants. In anime, it's apparently a trope that, like, when you do, like, the little character profile cards or pages or whatever that they would have, that, like, blood type is one of the traits listed for whatever reason. Oh, I will take your word for it. It's Daniel, it's been a week. You, Let me have this. Yeah, so you're the one that actually owns an anime movie in this household. Hell's, Hell's Moving, Moving Castle. Castle yep. Yeah. And I have my Sailor Moon ma- mangas. Thank you very much. That's true. You do. I'm dating a weeb. Like... An eighth of a weeb. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start talking and see if we can steer our way out of this. <laughs> Please just just dig us dig go. us out of where I've taken us. I started with a very nice point about you did, and I got animation. us to anime. <laughs> I'm I'm anime shit, ruins I'm everything. Sorry. So we go from uh, there. Confirmed. We see Doug spe- talking with Scott, uh, showing him how the morphine machine works to auto dispense his meds. Holy foreshadowing, Batman! Uh-oh. Good God! <laughs> and then I mean, like it's like they're beating you over the head with it because then Scott says, "Can I OD if I press this thing too much?" Don't worry, it's on lockout, so that can't happen. Good God! Just write the script while you're doing the episode, why don't you? Like, good, good, ugh, good Lord. Uh, Mark pulls Doug out wasn't aware that he was using PCA on kids PCA standing for patient controlled analgesia. And uh, Mark told Anspa that they didn't have a policy on it because he didn't know Doug was using it. And uh, as we've said many times throughout this episode, it begins. We are like, see that light far off in the distance on the horizon. It's uh, Clooney leaving forever, mostly forever. He'll come back for like a couple of cameos, but that's it. But, uh, in any event, we see uh, Benton waving Carter over to get the woman that he hits results so far, which seems a little bit sketch. Like, you're not actually tra- like treating this person. Like, are you really privileged? And, and especially because you were involved in an accident with her. Like, just seems just go and listen to go and listen to Jake's uh, breakdown of HIPAA on a recent lounge episode. I was gonna <laughs> say we need Jake on this episode. I I need to be a patron so I can listen to that episode. I need to t- I need to show you how to listen to things on Patreon that cuz you should know how to do that. But in any event, Carter Carter kind of gives Benton shit for sniffing around on this one. So we'll we will circle back to the woman that he hit just a little bit later. Uh, and Carla and Elizabeth are playing with Reese and Benton sort of panics and runs over because he's very overprotective of Reese. And it's no big deal. What's this quote? She takes her things and she takes things in her stride. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's what Lizzie is saying about uh Carla. Oh. Okay. Uh and Corday is getting a little sassy with Ben about how worried he is about her involvement. Carrie and Morganstern are with a patient that is now crashing and they think his stomach is distending from the gas in his heartburn meds. So, like, this was kind of a weird, like, half-assed explanation for why Morgenstern is about to do what he does. But all of a sudden, David punctures his stomach to release all the gas so he doesn't have to, like, go up to the OR or have his, you know, stomach rupture or anything. And it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. The human like, body is <laughs> Morgan Stern just, awful. just stabs this dude in the stomach with a giant syringe. Nope. I'm sorry, not the syringe. The needle is attached to the syringe, yeah. but if we're going to be semantics, but it's Whatever. just... He's uh, fine. He comes... He's, it's just always amazing to me how, like, certain things have, like, a very obvious type of treatment, you know, and how others... Right. Like, you know, like this, like, you know, his stomach is very distended, so obviously they just, like... Like, it's the kind of thing where if you're one of us, like a layperson, you'd be like, well, that seems like the obvious explanation would, or the obvious course of action would be to, like, poke a hole and, and let the air out or relieve the pressure but you'd be like obviously there's got to be a more involved medical procedure involved with this obviously there's gonna be like they're gonna do medicine but then it's just like no part just poke me, a hole in him he's like a balloon part of me wanted to hear the sad balloon noise of like when you're letting air out of one and it's like <laughs> um but then we find out that uh doug canceled on both carol and mark for that night uh-huh. hmm. carol's not too pleased to find out about this Hmm. Hmm. Speaking of people 
not pleased to learn about things. Natalie, the teenage girl from before uh, that Carol was helping, uh, comes in and her mom is with her. Oh, fun. The mom found the clinic note along with the condoms that Carol gave her. Uh, and Carol, total bro, stands up for her, <laughs> stands up for Natalie's is, privacy and confidentiality. Is it rights. bro to advocate HIPAA? <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah. That's the ultimate chill. bro. <laughs> yes. Ah. Uh... And on the flip side, the ultimate unbro, Romano sneaks up on Elizabeth while she's inventorying some hemoaid, and he tries to get her back on, quote, his team by making her the coordinator of the OR hemoaid study for the Chicago area if she drops her ER study because it's morally ambiguous and she deserves to be on something classier and better. So this is just weird. Like, what? I know this is because Romano loves Lizzie and he just wants her all to himself and everything, but the way that this whole thing is playing out is just weird and i mm, i just i can't wait till we have romano as less of a creep who has a crush on lizzie and more of a creep who has a crush on lizzie but is also vitrolic <laughs> and like interacts with the other characters more yeah like once you actually put him in the er more and get him butting heads with everybody i think he leads to be a much more interesting yeah character. he has been a little bit sort of orbital this season like he kind of just yeah he, he's he exists on the periphery of the ER and we've we've had little peeks and glimpses into the real deal Romano, but we haven't really been able to like right. wrap our arms around him yet and really get a feel for him. Like I would have thought that he and Benton would have been butting heads way more than like that he was being set up as a foil yeah. for Benton way more for this season and it's been hardly anything yet. So we'll see. But in actual yikes, uh Carol and Natalie are having a chat because, you know, Natalie's not going to tell her mom anything and Carol can't tell her mom anything. So Carol and Natalie are having a bit of a one-on-one and Carol says, I can't tell them and I won't, but sometimes it's worse when you shut out the people who care. And she's like, and your dad cared enough to bring you here. And that was really, you know, sweet of him, even though he didn't know what you were getting done. And the girl goes, that's not my dad. That's her boyfriend. That's the guy she's having sex with. That guy is married and dating a 16 year old and her teacher. And he's convinced her that, um, he's going to leave his wife when she's 18 so they can get married because he loves her and his wife is really unstable. This took a turn. Yup. This took a so real dark turn. Also, I want to point out with this, not only does this take a really upsetting turn, but both here and a little bit later on when Doug and Carol are talking about the situation, they place a really strange amount of emphasis on the fact that this guy is married. That that's the that that, that uh. that's the problem, you know. Like it's like, I don't give a shit if he's married or not. She's sixteen. Like it doesn't matter if he's married or not. But they both are just like, and he's married. I'm, it should be, and he's her teacher. Right. That should like, be the other. Married is part. like sixth on the list of problematic things in this situation. Like I don't care that he's he could be married to a moose for all I, I care. Like he's, I think he's having I sex th- with a sixteen year old. Yeah, I don't know if it's worse that he's. 40 first or that it's worse that he's her t- i think it's teacher first is the worst part and then 40 and i then would argue married. that adult and child is the number one problem well okay no no well i'm assuming if you're a teacher you're going to be an uh, adult so that's kind of what yeah. a given that's teacher is abuse of a power structure 40 is statutory rape issues it's all married bad. is just you're a scumbag it's all terrible yeah He's a fucking horrible human being, and this is statutory. But I just thought it was funny that they keep going back to the he's married thing as, like, the pearl-clutching thing of, like, oh, he's married. Like, is that really the biggest problem here? Well, (laughs) we 
we get to have this conversation in another few years here yeah. with a different no. character <laughs> from the other <laughs> side. Aren't we all looking forward to that? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. We know Daniel. We'll get there. All right. So uh, we see go from there. We see Doug telling Jeannie that Scott's cancer is officially back. Uh, the cancer is metastasized to his bones. He's going to need a bone marrow transplant as well as more chemo and isolation to pre- prevent risk of infection. Uh, and Jeannie is, of course, understandably heartbroken. But at least the shopkeeper who got the hemo aid made it through surgery with flying colors. That's good. Yay. Uh, Corday stopped by to check on him, and he wanted to th- and he wants to thank Corday for saving his life. He also would like to know more about the hemoid study. So looks like he might be a, he might be a participant after all, like a willing participant. And I do think it's very sweet that the son apologizes a little bit here. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with it, but he's really grateful. Yeah. So thank. The son you. is the translator. Yeah. So. So then we go back down to the ER where we see Benton going in uh, to uh, the lab results for Miss Ingram, the woman that he hit. Uh, and turns out that, uh, surprise, she was drunk and walked behind his car as he was backing up. He wasn't at fault. Uh, Carter points it out. She has a blood alcohol of 0.16, which is uh, a lot. Uh, but also, too, like, I don't – I would also want to get Jake's opinion on this as far as would this really absolve Benton of complete responsibility here because she wasn't driving. She was walking. Like, she was – yes, she was – a you know, presumably going to be driving very soon. She was, go- you know, she's walking to her car, but at the time she was injured, she was not driving. So I would be curious to know, like, what this, what the legal implications are of this, of whether Benton really would, because it seems like a very convenient way to just get Benton off the hook for this, so we don't have to extend this beyond this episode. But uh, it's, it just seems a little bit too convenient for my taste. I think there might be something. Maybe it's because it was the middle of the day. And she was on her way back to work, so she was about to drive drunk. Right. And also that she she was wasted and she was at fault not paying attention and she essentially walked into a moving car. Yeah, no, I'm, I get all of that. I'm just saying, like, from a legal standpoint, like, I, I would yeah. be curious to know what the the rule is there. I'm sure, I'm, just, just I'm sure when Jake listens to this, he'll tell us. Just call him right now and yeah. ask. It's fine. Uh, so then we go from there. Uh, one more time we see uh, Elizabeth... Just telling Mark that she's uh, staying put with her study in the ER. So fuck you, Romano. Yay. And then Anspa pops down to talk to Jeannie, and he asks if she was behind the marrow drive, and she says, no, that was Carol Hathaway. I I didn't have anything to do with that. Um, And he asks, have you told Scott about your own health status? Somehow he senses something and views you as a kindred spirit, which I thought was really sweet. But it's like, no. She's like, no, I've never told him about my HIV. So just very, very, very sweet and respectful moment between Ann Spa and her. Yeah. Carl's get uh not Carl. <laughs> and Carter's getting his blood drawn for the for the bone marrow match test. Uh, and it turns out less than one percent of people match or actually match with donors. So that's why it's important to have as many people as possible in registries so people can get the help that they need. Um Anna asked Carter to tell Chase hello. Very sweet. Um, and then Doug and Carol are talking about Natalie and Carol is worried that her reporting the crime will scare off the other kids and teens from coming in for help because she was doing the responsible thing aside from sleeping with her teacher. Um, the, the birth control part was responsible and Carol's worried that, you know, other kids aren't going to keep coming in to get taken care of if they hear about this. 
And then Benton cancels on Elizabeth for the night, decides that they can review separately after the long day they've had. Carrie brings uh, Morgan Stern uh, a refreshing soda out into the ambulance bay. So let's listen to them. It was a thrill to see you in action again. We make a good team, you and I. I'm sorry if I was presumptive before. You're a conscientious person, Carrie. Makes you a good doctor and a good manager. Well, I tried to fill the void while you were on leave. And surpassed me. Probably because of your sincere interest in all things administrative. I never gave a damn about the bureaucracy before. Didn't interest me then. And now? And now, everything interests me. I like him so much now. <laughs> like, I know, Why are right? they doing this to me? Just, to, just specifically to fuck with you, Daniel. Just for you. 23 years later. Yep. Playing the long game. Okay. And this is one of my favorite things. Um, Lizzie goes over and asks Carol and Anna if they have plans and invites them over for a girls' night and Cosmopolitans at her place. <laughs> so fucking good. I'm here for all of it. Um, and then Jeannie is checking up on Scott and she's crying at the door when he wakes up and he, Scott, A plus, it's okay. I've made women cry before. So good. Um, and he says that his dad said that she can come with them on vacation to Yosemite if she wanted to. And he is just night and day from the surly Scott that we met originally. Jeannie working with him has done him so much good. But it's going back to that that thing where I was saying they're on different spots on the the grief spectrum. Like he's fully into that like acceptance phase, and she's still very much dealing with the like denial bargaining. Like she's right. It, it's it, it. But it's it's almost like a one eighty from where they were when they started. Like you said, it's night and day from where we were when they started. Where he was very much in denial, and she was the one that was being more pragmatic and everything. But it's it's. They, they've done a switch and it's it's been very subtle and very gradual and i've it's i think this is my leading contender maybe for season four storyline like thus far like i think it's it's been one of yeah. the strongest through lines throughout the season thus far but you know it's really not part of overall major storyline <laughs> girls night let's but, listen to girls night seven brothers seven sister-in-laws 12 oh. nieces and nephews <laughs> Number 13 on the way. Oh, my God. You're considered the family freak. Oh, please. My Aunt Tessa bursts into tears every time she sees me. <laughs> well, my parents cope by treating me like a bachelor son. Oh, come on. Your families must be very proud of you, too. I'm mm-hmm. sure they are. You, Carol, have something that I really envy. What? A sex life. <laughs> Cheers to that. I have no complaints in that department. Come <laughs> on, give us a little something more oh, than please, that. Please, please, let's live vicariously, please. You want to hear about my sex yes. life? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to know? Oh, hold that thought. No, let me get here. it. Let me no. get it. No, no, no. I got it. Uh, hey. Peter. Um, look, I know I should have called first, but I am. Um... You're right. I was. Yeah. I do have a problem dating white women. You know, actually, this isn't really... No, 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 no. Listen to me. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you don't understand. Hey, Elizabeth, do you need some more money? Uh, 
I didn't know you had company. Mm. Hi, Peter. Bye, Peter. It was a, a spur of the moment sort of thing, you know. Oh, no, you don't need to yeah, explain. Peter, um, uh, maybe we could do it some other time now you know where I live. Yeah, yeah. How did he show up at her door? Because he was returning her wallet, I think, because oh, okay. it, it had been, or something like that. He was giving something back to her that from, like, the car, I think, or because he, or he was a pop, he was using it as a thinly veiled ruse or just straight up apologizing about the whole, yeah, I do have a problem dating white women thing and, like, owning up to that so they can start. He was planning on coming over and starting having that dialogue, I think, yeah. but then Elizabeth's wasted with friends. Good little moment. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, plus just peak 90s. Everything. Everything about that stereotype was, of girls. Knife. Everything about that was so 90s from the like the decor in her apartment to the yeah. like the drink, the, the drinks that they're drinking. Like it was very like very much their like sex in the city moment type thing. And like, yeah, just, right. That's the yes. Thank you. That's what that's the was. vibe they're going for, uh, which I guess sex was sex in the city even a thing by this point. Or was that later in the 90s? Pretty close, yeah. I feel like. Sex and the City, I feel like, started in 98 or 99, maybe. So pretty close. Um, 98. 98. Yeah. So, uh, But complete tonal shift from there as we close out the episode. We go to Carter visiting Chase in the assisted living facility. Uh, Chase is nonverbal. Uh, I, would, I would argue really good performance by the actor playing Chase here like the way he conveys all of the emotions that chase must be going through right now without being able to be verbal about it and conveying that sort of despair and frustration that he must be feeling like it's a really good job by him um carter brings chase a book full of his favorite photographs to review and as he's helping him flip through the pages of it uh he they're trying to get him to take his medicine so he's got a cup of or a glass of water in his right hand which he's been having trouble with uh, and he spills water all over himself in the book, uh, which uh, he has a nurse who's helping him, Joyce, uh, who seems very sweet. seems like uh, him and uh, all three of them seem to have a pretty good rapport with one another. Um, and as she cleans up from the water spill and uh, leaves the room, Carter tries to help Chase with buttoning his shirt. And he tries to get him to do a little bit of him, a little bit of it himself. And as he's doing so, you can just see the frustration starting to mount for him and mm-hmm. he starts crying and Carter helps him. It's it's a very like sad, somber note to end the episode on, but it's still a very it's it's a powerful moment. You know, it is a, a really powerful yeah. moment between the two of them. Thoughts? Solid B episode. Yeah. Yep. For me. I think it does a lot of it does a lot of great stuff with all the foreshadowing that we met that we previously mentioned. There's a lot of really great and sweet character moments sprinkled all throughout, not just you know here at the end, but just all throughout the entire episode. And it's just a really solid, yeah. you know, it's not gonna, it's us, not going to be up there with the top tier ones, but no. you know, it's one I'd yeah. watch again. But it gives us intrigue. What's going on with Doug? Yeah. And I'm just going to say this: like it's like Lizzie mentioned, it's everything we love in these episodes. It's obviously not going to be like one of the A plus crazy, you know, disaster episodes, mm-hmm. but it's really good. Yeah. Like I watched this one and I was like, oh wow, okay. Like this is this is what like smoothie R feels like. It goes this episode goes down real yeah. smooth. And, and like I was saying earlier, like I love I really love that they are gonna go through the trouble of giving Morgan Stern a proper goodbye story, not just a moment. Like they're gonna actually give mm-hmm. some storyline justification for him leaving. 
uh, that doesn't take place over a single episode. It's a slow burn. It's going to take place over the next two to three episodes. And um, I like that we get a chance to appreciate the character of Morgan Stern, which we really haven't been able to do very much because his appearances have been so infrequent. Um, It really, it's going to leave us, I think, with a, a good taste in our mouth for that character of like, he really was kind of a crucial part of, the formula he may not have always been front and center and he may not have always been like somebody you immediately think of as like crucial to the er formula but he he is a character that i think has some significance and some importance and it's nice to see that he's not just going to get you know stuffed into a closet the way hicks did lauren what did the listeners think about this one okay we got we got a few good ones here today guys First off, Carly M. says, Jeannie was so sweet in this episode. Gloria is truly an amazing actress. The writers did such a great job in this episode. Michelle, bear with me. You gave us a lot to work with here. I'm going to mess some of it up. But, okay, gang. Michelle K. says, Morgan Stern, I'm glad you're back, but too bad your breakdown is going to leave you a meth-addicted, alcoholic, single father on the south side. Oh, wait. Wrong show. Smiley face. I promised you all I would keep reading your emojis. I'm going to keep <laughs> reading the emojis. At this point, it's it's just, I'm committed. And I'm proud of Elizabeth for trying to break away from Romano, but kind of eek about her 100% lack of understanding of the American tort system. Good thing that legal secretary was drunk. And Doug is ready to grow up. And it's never really explained why Carrie is so against a peds attending other than that she doesn't think they need one. Is it just because it's Doug's idea? Obviously, it's considered a good enough idea that they hired a replacement in Cleo when they easily could have just cut the position. If Anspa had come to Carrie and said, I feel that adding a peds attending would increase our ability to provide better care for the 70% of peds cases we see in the ER, would she have argued with him? Of course not. She was only objecting because it was Doug and she wanted him gone. This is the side of Carrie I don't like and the side that everyone jumps on. If you don't bow to her authority, she wants you gone. And Franner W. says, So the clearly adult white hand that pushes the porridge over Peter's head. Just me who saw that? Again, fun cross the pond thing here. Oatmeal or porridge, you decide. And Mary L. says, My heart plummeted a bit when Scotty asks to be let down. I thought we had the Jeannie and Scott storyline a little longer. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over a dozen hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and the world at that moment, or HIPAA, in the case of... <laughs> of the most recent one uh, as well as mo- as well as movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member we'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone ER on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash saying the tone podcast and we are at saying the tone podcast on instagram also be sure to check out the official saying the tone community on facebook our theme music is provided to us by andrew m edwards and daniel where can folks find you at they can find me on instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u dot e-l they can also find me on my other podcast the popular court with my co-host jake terrell where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial 
And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me screeching on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345 because the Elden Ring video game is officially announced and coming. It's not vaporware. It's not vaporware anymore. So <laughs> there will be a lot of dumb video game stuff on my Twitter for the next few months. And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. As well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.